Welcome to the Poet Delayed Podcast. My name is Scott. I'm the host of the show, and I've got my guest here today is a good friend of mine, Monty Wingle. And this is actually our second go at recording this podcast. It's been, I think, three months since we attempted last time. And uh, I have this rule that I don't listen to podcasts before. I just record them and post them because I'm afraid that if I listen to them, I'll end up not posting them because I'll become, um, I don't know, too self-conscious about it. Well, I broke that rule on our last recording and I listened to it and I thought, oh, but I probably should have just posted it. But anyhow, I'm glad I didn't because you came up with a great idea today for this poem. Well, I came up with that idea on the first day we were recording it last time we tried. But we hadn't planned ahead. We hadn't planned ahead. Yeah. Which is something I'm working on. I know you're probably working on too. Yeah. Planning ahead. And and that what we're going to do today is we're going to spend some time in a de- sensory deprivation tank. So um, I'm excited about that. But before we get there, let's let's tell let's tell people who are listening a little bit about you. Uh, I think you're uh, an amazing person. You've been a great friend to me, a very good support. You and your wife Michelle have uh, been there for me. I I mean I I remember once you both came up. Uh, I remember because I just moved into this house and. I was really stressed about a lot of stuff and I was trying to hook up my Wi-Fi, and I couldn't do it. I could not figure it out. And I just didn't have the mental capacity to do it, the emotional capacity to figure it out. And you guys came up from Riverton. Is that where you guys live? We're in South Jordan, South Jordan. Okay. Well, I know, I, I know I've been to your house. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what boundaries were, but anyhow, and you came up and you had it fixed lickety split. And that's the night that she uh, did the Reiki. That's the first time I'd ever done that. And that, was the best night of sleep after that that I'd had probably six months. It, I wow. just was out, and you uh, fell asleep with my dog Ruger right next to us <laughs> while yep. she was doing that. So right. Um, anyway, so I just told a bit about you, but so what are you doing nowadays? What What are you doing for work? What are you doing for fun? What are you doing for yourself? Oh, thanks, Scott. Appreciate that kind introduction. I have really enjoyed knowing you these three years and value our friendship highly. You've given to me as much as the same as I've shared with you as well. And um, you have really good feedback for me and have helped me as, as part of my journey on healing. Interesting you mentioned the Reiki because for... Uh, 10 years before getting to therapy, my wife, I started having uh, mental issues and my wife got into healing arts and kind of energy therapies and Reiki was part of it. And I was very skeptical and um, critical of her for that. I thought I'm the logical one. Let's trust science, you know, and I was very judgmental. So if that night when we came up seeing her, how she worked, how she was able to be fully present and the emotional journey you guys went on was really, uh, it built up her in my eyes a lot more and oh, wow. I have a lot more respect and it's actually helped our relationship. So, you know, it's, it's meaningful both directions. So uh, I really appreciate you, um, the experiences we've had together. Um, for, for me, Michelle and I, we got married in 1994. We have four children, three boys and a girl who we love very much. Um, we lived in Davis County until a couple of years ago. And then we moved to South Jordan. We're out in the daybreak area and we love it. It has a nice wide sidewalk so we can walk the dog side by side together. And, mm. and we go on bike rides. There's some bike paths around that we really have enjoyed this summer. And uh, what I do for work, I'm a software developer and um, work for MLM, which is a typical job and engagement in the Salt Lake Valley. So that's where I'm at. Hmm. You, you mentioned uh, something earlier. I, I thought just a minute ago, I thought it was interesting that you're the logical one, you know, and you know, keep this Reiki away from me or whatever. Oh yeah, I am finding that um, you know, I, I like to be grounded in reality. I do. Mm-hmm. But I'm starting to understand that some things I just don't understand. And I think reality may be bigger than I perceive it to be. 
Yeah. You know, my right. understanding of reality may be bigger and different than I perceive it to be. And so I, I've been opening up more to these, uh, um, these modalities, I guess you can say, um, that seem less traditional. Yes. But, you know, have been practiced for thousands of years. You know, so, but, but that's, it's interesting. I mean, I think it's, it's, it was a big step for me to realize that and a big step for me to be willing to put aside my, um, what's the word, put aside my, uh, I guess pride, you know, that, you know, I, this is silliness, you know, this is silliness. Absolutely. And taking a step into it, you know, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think I was talking to a, a well, our, a mutual doctor friend of ours, uh, uh, Pat Zimmerman, and and he was. We were talking about just briefly, just briefly about placebos, and he said that placebo, you know, really, uh, really works. You know, and I'm not saying Reiki's placebo. I, I'm, I, my point is, is that there are things we can be healed by things that aren't understood, because he said that even he said if people are taking something like some supplement or something and they feel like it's helping them. He says, I don't discourage that unless it's going to bankrupt them or if it is actually, in fact, causing harm to them, you know? Right. But so, yeah, so it's interesting. I've, uh, it's been a big thing for me to kind of take down my walls of I'm just going to follow a traditional path and be willing to maybe venture into the woods a bit, you know? Yes. And venture off the path a bit. And, you know, I, I'm not so... um cavalier at this point that I just head off into a direction at the the slightest provocation, but I am willing to go check it out. Well, let me tell you the way I think about it. And I think it's really courageous of you to step into the unknown a little bit. The way I think about it now is pseudoscience. That's what I'm going to call it. Pseudoscience, quackery, uh, woo woo, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, Pseudoscience you know, meditation was that back mm. in the 60s, and now mm. we have scientific studies that show its True. usefulness and True. a little bit more understanding how it works. The thing about pseudoscience is it's if it's useful, if it has the effect you desire, and maybe we don't know how it works, who cares, right? What you, you we need as humans, we need those effects. We need to believe that when we look at a beautiful flower in the garden— that that um, helps us feel better. Mm. And it's the same thing for me, doing Reiki, having connection with other people, um, just making space, which is the woo-wooest term mm-hmm. I think I've ever heard, I'm making space <laughs> for someone. I get it now. Yeah. I've flipped 180 on that, and I'm, I'm all in. I, I, I feel that way. I feel that way to a large extent as well. And... um I think that uh, you, you said something, and it triggered the thought that I had. Uh, and now that thought is receding from my mind, but let me grab it real quickly. Hold on. I was, I, I guess it's gone. It's gone. I guess it's gone. Well, it'll I'm come gonna back. Let, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go. Great. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. Oh, when you look at a lot of this stuff, actually what I was going to say is, you know, we have the scientific method, which is brilliant. I mean, we need that because I mean, we couldn't build bridges. We couldn't have infrastructure. We couldn't go to the moon. We couldn't, I mean, the stuff that we've, we've developed by that scientific method is, I mean, it's, we can't do without that, but beyond, but aside from that, there are things that don't lend themselves to the scientific method that are, are important. I, 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 a thing that I think about a lot is, you know, I think about Carl Jung's work, you know, the collective unconscious. I mean, that's, that does not lend itself to the scientific method. And that's one of the critiques of him, but yes. there is something going on. I mean, I don't think it's something that you can just dismiss outright and say, well, it doesn't, this, it doesn't lend itself to the scientific method. Therefore, it's not applicable. There's something there. And, and to dismiss that, you know, you become Spock like almost, you know, just pure logic and logic gets you a long way, but 
there's also some pretty significant limits to it. Oh, yeah. And in families, dysfunctional families, don't see, don't talk, don't feel. Mm -hmm. You shut down those emotions and you go right to your head and you only take positions that you can justify uh, rationally and you, you never talk about feelings. And that's really a disservice. And it starts right when we're born. Yeah. I mean, when mothers go into a hospital, they're treated like a patient, almost like an, an animal. And the, the sacredness of the birth experience, the, the innate knowledge that humans have been developing for thousands of years, it's discounted and it's turned into a clinical procedure mm. separate from emotions. It starts right at our birth and continues throughout our lives. And we need to really get away from that and get back to the specialness, the sacred, the, um, the meaning of living. I've never thought about, uh, about that. I mean, we talk about birth. Birth is a metaphor for so many things. And it really is a miracle when you think about it. Um, and you don't have to think long about it to, to, to see the miraculous nature of it. But I never thought about what you just explained, that it's just become clinical. You know, you start to go into labor, and so you go into this big building that's um, been wiped down, and uh, you got machines beeping, you got people dressed in these uniforms, yep. and they got masks on their face or they don't, and it's just the doctor's there to receive the baby, cut the cord, and he's off. And, they're, and it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's just, it's part of the... It, you know, it's kind of like, uh, eat, you know, to switch a bit. I mean, eating has become that way. Eating, you know, was a time to gather and to be together. And it was a very nurturing part of community and tribes. You know, yes. we get together and we share this food. You get guests coming in, you invite them in and you, you know, you, you talk about the uh, Bedouin tribes, you know, in the Middle East. I mean, you don't turn people away. You couldn't because oh, yeah. they're going to die. So you bring him in. And when I was in the Philippines, um, that was, you know, I'd be walking and there would be people eating that I don't know. And they would say, Kaina, Kaina, like, mm. come and eat, come and eat, come and eat. And they were serious. Come and eat our, eat food with us and partake with us. And now we get in our cars and we drive through McDonald's drive through, pay, very little engagement, and we eat as we're driving. Almost talking at the drive-thru is too much engagement. Yeah. We we order on our apps and pull up to the curbside sometimes yes. so that we <laughs> can avoid the awkwardness of the drive-thru. And even in McDonald's now, you go in mm -hmm. and they've got a kiosk. You go yes. punch your order in, they call your number. There's like our interaction. So with the birth, it's now become transactional. Mm-hmm. Food eating has been become transactional. You know, You're I, right. I did a podcast right. with uh, with Jackie Pack, uh, mm -hmm. and she talked about therapy. She said therapy should be relational instead of transactional. I've I've had therapists who were for more or less, uh, you know, were more or less. Tr it was a transactional situation. It was it was clinical. Listen, um, we're going to do A, B, and C, and then we're going to get the response we need. That doesn't always work. It's relational. It's Feeling that connection, it's kind of like Mr. Miyagi, the Karate Kid. You know, he versus Cobra Kai. They're in there like, <laughs> I yeah, love yeah, that yeah. metaphor. Yeah, and Mr. Miyagi though, he's becoming one, and he's painting the fence, and he got a lot of free work from um, Daniel Sun. But that's right, Daniel Sun got a lot of value out of it. Yes, you know, so interesting. Now that's not necessarily what we were meant to, what we're talking about today, but that was. I know Jackie too. She is very much like Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. Yep. She's, she is amazing. Um, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, now I asked you when, when I asked you to be on my podcast, I said, all right, Monty, just, you know, pick a poem out of my book and you picked a poem and you picked a poem called the, I titled Nirvana. And I want to go ahead and read that real quickly. And then we're going to talk about, I, I want, I want to know why you chose this poem. And then we're going to talk just a little bit about it. And just to tell whoever's listening, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then Monty and I are going to take a break. We are going to go to a sensory deprivation tank. We're going to sit in water, salt water in our own little personalized capsules Lights out is in an hour. 
It's an hour. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> so let me read the poem. Okay. And then we'll talk a little bit about that. Okay. So the poem is titled Nirvana. It reads, <clears throat> I crave silence, clear and still, and darkness too. So complete, my body melds with it, erasing the line where darkness ends and I begin. I crave nothingness. So what was it about that poem that, that made you choose it? And that poem stirred a remembrance inside me of a time when I felt those same feelings. Um, I had mentioned before I was having some mental, emotional problems, relational problems, and it stirred up the memory of those hardest times. And I did. I wanted to be nothing. Um, and so it plucked on my heartstrings, that poem. Mm. And I know the feeling. I have a hard time putting into words how I'm feeling. And so I depend on others to do that a lot. You caught it in that poem. Mm. That's good to hear. Because I, I, th that's one of those poems that I just wrote. And I didn't go back and really change anything to it. Mm. Because I, it, and I wrote it when I was feeling that way. You know, and, I, and I have these, uh, these, I have moments where, I just want to disappear. I, I, I never feel suicidal, mm -hmm. but I do wake up sometimes, usually in the morning, and wish that I just didn't wake up, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm learning to work through that because I know that that's a temporary state. And, you know, to that end, you know, I, I shared with you that uh, kind of morning thing that I read to myself. Uh, yeah, I shared that with you and, um, I remember to pause and, and breathe and to breathe. Right. That's the first one. And, um, can't remember all the other ones. I read it this yeah. morning though. I went over it this morning, but my, my, so I, I, you know, I'm learning to work through these moments where I just want to disappear mm. and, and, and be nothing and create, I crave nothingness. Uh, but, I know those moments still come. And so for me, I want to be able to manage that so that um, I can move forward. And a good thing for me to, one, one of those things, one of those things to remember I wrote down was remember that the, the, the hurt and pain, including fear will pass. You know, that's one thing I'm always trying to remind myself is that, this darkness that I'm feeling at times or this pain or fear, whatever it is, it's going to pass. And it's always passed. Here I am today, you know, right. All that pain and hurt I felt in the first, you know, almost 49 years of my life, it's passed. And here I am now. And I, I have a good life. I mean, it's, it's a good life. You know, it's hard at times, but show me someone who doesn't have a hard life. I don't, I don't know that there's anybody that doesn't, you know, um, absolutely. But to remember that it's going to pass and to, and to be patient and gentle with myself as I'm moving through that. Um, so when I wrote this poem, I wrote it in that state and I'm glad I did because I can go back and I can read that in, in, in positive moments like now, and I can take myself to it. Like you were saying, you know, it kind of triggers those memories and I can remember, okay, that I was there. And I'm going to be there again at some time, probably more than once guaranteed. And so what can I do now when I'm in a positive state? What can I do now knowing that that's going to come at some point to prepare for it and to work through it? And that was the purpose of, well, like I said, that, thing, that, that uh, little morning statement that I read or that I wrote a few days ago. So anyway... Well, uh, well, we are survivors, Scott. Yeah. How brilliant and beautiful that in that darkness you were able to put pen to paper and come up with those words. That's amazing. Oh, thanks, Monty. And, and I think, too, it's important to remember that these dark, um, sad, uh, negative emotions are needed so that we can 
paint with all the colors and have contrast in our lives and know what's bright and beautiful at the same time. Yeah, I was reading uh, in Khalil Gibran's uh, <clears throat> The Prophet. He has a section in there called Joy and Sorrow, mm. and it's so beautiful. He says in there, and I, I, I guess I could go get the book it's somewhere. It's in my room somewhere. But he says, I always paraphrase it. Uh, it's a long section, but he, he says that joy and sorrow come from the same source mm. and that the sorrow creates the room for us to receive the joy. Uh, and the example he uses, like the cup that holds the water that you drink had to go through the kiln, the fiery kiln to create that, um, the carrying capacity and our sorrow carves these open. If we receive it in, you know, if, if we are aware of it rather than just running from it or shutting it down, if we become aware of it and are sensitive to it and we sit in it and experience it, it has the, it has the potential of creating greater space in us, which will then be filled with joy. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, that was beautiful. That is, that is beautiful. On that, uh, on that morning routine you sent over, you also said that the fear and pain is going to come and it may come from inside or outside of us. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, why did you write that? Because the reason I wrote that is, in fact, let's, uh, do you mind? Maybe I'll just read that real quickly so people are familiar. That'd be great. That's what we're talking about. Okay, this is, this is what it was. It says, it's morning, the start of the day. You may run into hard or painful things today, including fear, and they may come at you from inside or outside of yourself. Remember to pause and to breathe. Remember to be gentle and patient with yourself. Remember that you have people that love you and will support you. Remember to reach out to those people when needed. Remember that you can't change everything, but there are things you can change. Remember that you need to work to change the things you can change and that you are able. Remember that those hard and painful things, including fear, will pass. Remember that you will be okay. And so the reason to your question, the reason I said uh, that they may come at you from inside or outside of yourself is a lot of what I struggle with are fears and I self limit myself because of those fears. And I think a lot of the fear that I experience isn't based in reality. I mean, it's based in past experiences that my body's reacting to things that have happened before. Okay. And, and you know, I'm, and I may have days where everything externally seems to be going fine. People are kind to me. Work's going well. Everything's going well, but inside of me, there is a, an anxiety or a darkness or a fear that I can't shake. Okay. And it's from inside of me. It's, it, it's maybe it's being triggered. Something externally is triggering it, but I don't see it readily, but it feels like it's inside of me. So I just want to remind myself that even if it's inside of you, you still need to respond this way. You know, you, I, I still, I still need to respond this way. Even if it's just inside that I feel it's going to happen, it's going to come and just be patient. So my heart's beating really fast. That's stirring mm -hmm. some emotions. Yeah. I'm just going to enjoy those. <laughs> let, let them mm -hmm. carve more space for joy, carve yes. more space for joy. Um, well, so we, as we mentioned, we're going to go to a sensory deprivation tank. And, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that I have a meaningful experience. I'm, I'm excited about that. And also nervous that I'll just float in nothingness for an hour and be the same person I am coming out as I went in. Mm -hmm. My intention, I mean, what I want to have happen for me is I would like to connect with the universe, maybe people who are still alive, maybe people who aren't no longer alive, mm -hmm. maybe pets that I've known in the past. Maybe there's so many things I can connect with. I'm, 
I'm sending an intention. I'm going to have some sort of connection. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, for me, uh, I've read about these, and I've read about some people having some pretty amazing, well, I don't know if amazing is the right word, some almost out-of-body experiences. I think they were um, on other substances as well in addition to that. But I'm, I'm, I guess I don't really have, um, I'm not looking for anything specific. I, 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 for me, I want to take what comes and I'm, there's not anything specific that I'm hoping to get out of it. I, I, I just want to take what comes and see what I can get out of it, see what's there for me. So I I would like, I mean, if, you know, I, if my, if I had some walls come down where I could see myself better, I'd, I, I guess, so those are things that I would like, mm-hmm. you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've had experiences where my walls came down completely, you know, um, with, uh, psilocybin, I, my walls came down completely and I saw me, mm-hmm. I saw me and I did a lot of preparation for that. And I did a lot of work in, in the run up to that, writing down what I want and thinking about it and really just almost meditating in the week before so I could be there and receive what comes. And I was rewarded in that sense. I learned a lot about who I am and a lot about what I need to do. And so will that happen today? I don't know. It'd be great if it did, but I just want to take what comes. And also I'm just thinking it's going to be awesome. I've I've heard about them before, you know, and and just, just to, just to, uh, I don't know, just, I mean, I, I guess when you lose your five senses, when you lose your senses, I mean, does it disconnect you from your body? Do, do you become disconnected from yourself? Um, because you think, you know, I think about me, everything I know is my sense, my sensory input. Yeah, right. And now we're going to take that away. And so what are we going to know? It's right. All our of mind. our emotions, each emotion is a unique combination of sensations and feelings in our body that we're mm-hmm. having. Our connection to spirituality is even through our bodies. And uh, we are going back to an environment that's going to be very similar to the womb. Am I yeah. going to remember that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, that, that's a good point because we're going to, yeah. Uh, I mean, th- I should say that we're going to be bereft for the most part of our external stimuli because we'll still have the internal sensations yes. the things in our mind and in our body will still be there but uh i don't know so dude we got monkey minds too thoughts come from nowhere yeah. seemingly nowhere it seems random mm-hmm. you know some molecule of air got pushed someone breathed out you know a thousand <laughs> years ago that molecule of air is going to come into my body while i'm in the dep- sensory deprivation tank, <laughs> and that's what's going to affect what comes up in my brain sometimes yeah. that's how it works seems to come from random but uh you know overall my my hope is that i just have a pleasant experience yeah uh that's what i'm looking for as well um and um so to everybody listening. So we are going to take a break here and I am going to attempt to put in some placeholder music. Now, if I'm, whether I'm successful or not, we shall see, but, um, you will either have four or five minutes of amazing placeholder music, or we're going to just come abruptly right back at you with a report from the sensory deprivation tank. So are you ready, Monty? I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's go do it.
Okay, we are back from floating, and hopefully we were able to figure out the interim or um, intermission music. So hopefully you had something nice to listen to, and you're just not shocked back into hearing us talking. Anyhow, we are back, Monty and I, and we're joined actually by Sully now, his little dog. What kind of dog is Sully? Sully is a... Good dog. Yeah, he's a good dog. He's a, I don't remember. Little good dog. Little good dog. Yeah. He's my buddy. Goes mm. with me everywhere. He's good. Boy, just sit on your lap. And we're also joined by Michelle. Can you, can I say hi really loud? Hello, hello. <laughs> okay. And here's a little fun fact that this podcast is a result of her suggestion Yes, that's right. When mm. I, I came to, Monty, I came to you guys' house um, beginning of May because Michelle helped me format my book. And then she said, you ought to do a YouTube channel. And I said, I don't want to do a YouTube channel. And she said, well, then you should do a podcast. And I thought, maybe so. And so anyway, that was a great suggestion. I've really enjoyed it. So hoorah. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, so let's talk about it first. Um, we went to the the uh, um, place we went to is called True Rest. Is that right? Yes, it's, it's a float spa, mm -hmm. and uh, it was walked in. They we watched an eight minute orientation video, and tell me what your thoughts were, what your experience. What did you come out with? Well, the first thing we have to do when we go in to do our um, to get ready for the float is they hand us an iPad and I have to fill that in my name, address, where I live. And I'm thinking right away, uh, this is too much. Mm -hmm. I've felt a little under attack maybe, or, um, like there was, it was just clinical. Right. And the ladies there are wearing what looked like scrubs, um, scrubs, medical, yeah, scrubs, medical yeah. scrubs. And, and I was a little intimidated. Um, and then I knew we were early. We were, we were about a half hour early. They wanted us there a half hour early. I thought, okay, here comes a sales presentation, but we went in, we did the little video and, um, like orientation and it was actually relaxing mm -hmm. and I, I could have laid in that chair probably for a while it was and enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. So initial thoughts was apprehension. I didn't have any apprehension. I just walked in. I had to go to the bathroom really bad, so mm -hmm, rushed to the too. bathroom. That felt better. Get that off out of the way. And then I had to fill out the thing. And I, I wasn't, I didn't feel any anxiety or, or I, I felt um, anticipation, curiosity. Okay, what is this going to be like? Yeah. So Well, they ask you on the questionnaire, what, what are you here for? And for me, I checked curiosity. I checked, uh, what did I check for? I don't even remember. Hmm. I thought it was something that, that fit why I was there, but I don't think it was the curiosity button I pushed anyhow. All right. So you check that out. Um, and they gave, oh, they gave us flip flops to where we had to take our shoes off. That's right. And so they walked us back and they run us, ran us through it. I, so I'm, I'm going to fast forward a bit to the actual experience because, so I walked in and you know, they, they said, here, you got to shower first. And uh, she left. And then it started at 3.15. Yep. So uh, I was ready to go. And I didn't know you had to be naked at first. I didn't know that. But I thought, we I didn't even bring a swimsuit. You did. Yep. And so I just thought, well, I'll just wear my boxers if I, if I have to. But then she said, nope, you don't want to have anything on because then that takes you out of the, out of the, uh, out of the, Theta waves, isn't that what she said? Theta yes, waves. I think so. So anyway, so I, so the three fifteen rolled around, and uh, I climbed in and shut the big doors. First of all, I was surprised at what the unit looked like. I thought it was more of a capsule type thing, and it was, it was, it was big, but well, I'll get to that because I. So I got in it, you know, the but there's an, a light. There was a light outside that came through the little crease where the doors shut. Yes. And I thought it was interesting to me. The water was warm 
and I laid back and I did the mummy pose because you know they gave us a couple different type of pose types of poses to use. Right. So like hands, hands over are, yourself. Yeah. And yep. I used I used to sleep like that when I was a little kid. Oh, That's really? how I sleep on my back like a mummy and they Aww. they used to always tell me that they thought I was dead. <laughs> but so that's what I did and the, I could see the light the light they said was on for 8 minutes and they started us out with some music like um not music not top 40 stuff more like binaural tones is what she said. Yes, right. So anyway, so I just, I just sat there and I thought okay, I'm going to try to I just, I I just want to let this happen. You know, and after 10 minutes, the music stopped. After eight minutes, that light went out. I could sense that that went out, you know, because I had my eyes closed the whole time. But I got, after about that that 10 minutes, mm -hmm. I started to get upset and anxious because what happened was, well, first of all, my heart was just like, boom, 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 boom. And I couldn't get it. I was trying to breathe, but I noticed that when I would breathe, like my exhale would cause ripples in the water and I could feel them all the way down to my toes. And I just thought this is anything but sensory deprivation. I mean, this is heightened sensory because I'm trying too hard. And, and then I floated a little bit. My toes were bumping up against the walls. And I thought, what? And, and I noticed afterwards, there's like a little crease, kind of a smooth line in the middle of the, uh, the pod. And I wondered if that was some way for us to know where we were floating. Cause I didn't. So I actually kind of sat up and, and then it caused lots of like waves back and forth. And I started to get upset and I thought, I've got another 50 minutes of this. I can't sit. Through. And I started to get like, I'm just going to get up and get out. But mm -hmm. then I just thought, no, just let it happen. What's going to happen is going to happen. And I will say that I never, I was aware of my surroundings the whole time. I didn't check out once. And it was, I, I was like almost hyper aware I could, mm. my legs, especially my lower legs kind of disappeared. I didn't notice that, but nothing else. And I felt little bubbles coming up from my back, kind of tracing up my back to the surface. That was irritating. And then I did get little cold wafts coming through. Mm. Not, 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 I shouldn't say cold, but there was a, there was a different, there was a um, change in the, the temperature sensation of the air. And so I didn't notice that, but I mean, those are all the things that I noticed, but it was relaxing. It took me a while to re actually relax because I, I was, I realized that I was holding my head up mm -hmm. and so I just, I let it go and I was surprised how well I floated in this water and I would relax my legs and I, like when I did that, I could just feel like my whole body start to relax and you know, five minutes to the close, they start uh, playing that music. Yes. And I was just getting like into this phase where I was just starting to like really release. And then the music started up and I thought, oh, man, almost, almost. <laughs> so, um, but it was, I, I mean, I'm glad I did it. It was, it was um, not what I expected. It was, mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessary. I think to call it a sensory deprivation tank is a misnomer. I think well, they just called it a float tank, which I think is the more proper. And so maybe I went in with a misunderstanding of what I was going into, but they call it a float tank. And I think that's a better term, but it, it was pitch black. I did notice that. And the water was a good temperature. Um, but there were no big breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. There was no separation or there was no blending or uh, merging of the line between me and darkness. I was self-aware the whole time. That's my experience. So what do you got? A very similar experience to yours. Initially got in, enjoyed the music. And when the music stopped, I could feel my heart just pounding. Yeah. Just really going fast and hard. And mostly going through my mind, I was thinking about what am I going to say? How am I going to look? How do I look good? Am I doing this right? Mm -hmm. Am I, um, am I going to be entertaining on the podcast or, you know, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And I was self, just self-focused and worried about it. 
And I think that probably went on for another 10 minutes. So 20 minutes into the float now. Mm-hmm. And I'm still feeling that my and my heart pounding. And I could feel my heart pounding in my neck. It would it would ripple the water and through my yeah, head. Me too. And um, I was just there with myself. And they gave us some breathing exercises, you know, breathe in six seconds, hold six seconds, breathe out six seconds, something like that. And I was trying that, you know, trying to do it right. And after about half hour in the tank, I finally asked myself, hey, presentation layer of Monty, can you step back and let me relax a little bit? Mm-hmm. And then probably another five, 10 minutes went by and it was the same thing. So I said it again, I just, you know, in my head, hey, Monty, can you just have that presentation layer step back and relax a little bit? And I think then it did. I did relax a little bit. And there was a part of me that felt like a baby waking up and taking a look around. And Mm. I kept my eyes closed the whole time. I opened up at the end and realized I could have had them open if I wanted. Um, I was... I w- that was an interesting experience to have that kind of inner self wake up a little bit. And then, um, and then I started feeling pain in my body. My, le- my legs are hurting. I have, I'm having a gout attack right now mm-hmm. and it's very painful and I could feel the pain there and I could feel that pain going through my whole body. And I kind of just sat with that pain uh, maybe slightly resentful of it, but it keeps me present. And I was thinking the experience at that point became very much like meditation. I think if I sat on my meditation cushion for an hour, I would have a very similar experience. And instead of trying to minimize the sensations to my body, I would be there with pain, pain from sitting pain from crossing my legs and it would have been kind of very similar experience for me personally because I've done that meditation before not that long maybe 15 minutes usually um, but very close to the same experience and then interestingly I did the same as you too how long is this going to go am I going to make it am I ready to just get out is Scott going to get out (laughs) I don't know if Scott will stay we'll see I kind of, I kind of don't want to be here anymore. And then a few minutes after that, I had the sensation of seeing myself kind of escape from the earth. It's like first flying over the earth and seeing me with everybody on around me there and then floating up above the earth, like from outer space, the moon, and seeing just how insignificant we are. Mm-hmm. And then the music started playing. So it was the so same you started, for you. You started, but but you, sounds like, I mean, did you start to experience this almost like a dream state? Is I that, was, yes, mm. I did. And it wasn't actually a dream. I was creating the experience as well. Okay. So I was participating in the creation of it, not just letting it happen. Mm-hmm. And it felt really good. Mm. And it cut off just a few minutes too soon it felt Mm. yeah i i didn't experience anything like that at all like all my thoughts i was i was leading all of my thoughts Mm -hmm. nothing came in i was just kind of leading them and directing them but at the end my body started really to let go that's Uh, how i felt yeah so um so what else what else is i think that nirvana isn't being alone. I felt alone, even Mm. though I knew you were in the other room in the other tank and I have people around me. I think, um, my, I, I used to idealize being alone. Some of the happiest times in my childhood was alone, Mm -hmm. listening to music because I didn't have to be on guard. I didn't have to have that presentation layer of Monty in front of me all the time. And I could just be myself. And so for me, kind of a pleasant state was being alone. But I felt lonely in there a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
so so going back to the to the poem you know, cause when i when i wrote that so well, let's actually kind of wrap the the our experience up cuz i want to talk about what you just said but um yeah i i i didn't feel like i said i didn't feel any any separation or anything like that but but I, so what you just said i think is important because when I wrote the poem, I wrote that in a time, in a moment when I was really struggling. I just felt low and I, I just felt like I just want, there's, there's a movie called The Fountain with Hugh Jackman. I don't know if you've ever watched that. I haven't seen that one. It's, a, it's an interesting movie, but there's, it takes place in the past in the present and in the future. In the future portion of the movie, I think it's the future, it's, it's a alternate type there's just different timelines and in the future i'll just call it the future he is like in this glass orb floating towards an exploding star and there's a tree a very symbolic this movie there's lots of symbolism and there's this tree and he's kind of in a almost like a monk type character in this his head shaved he's like in a robe if i remember correctly some type of robe or something and in the movie his wife is dying of cancer and she's you know, and so each version of him is dealing with that. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's it's interesting, but and so in in the uh, in this future version of him, he's floating in this glass orb to a, an exploding star, which is supposed to I don't remember all the details, but somehow it's supposed to help. But I remember when I first watched that in the orb. So the sensation of the movie is there's no. Um, there's no ambient sound. There's nothing. It's almost like in a vacuum. And when he talks, it's very flat and it's just calming and there's nothing going on. And I remember the first time I watched that, I just thought that's where I want to be. I just want to be there quiet in the dark floating through space. And I've gone to that. I've, I've thought about that a lot. And, and, you know, one thing that I've done in the past, I mean, I would, I, you know, find quiet places and kind of just hide. Like I have a friend who had a, in his closet and very back, there's like a little cubby and I had moved to California. He lived in Bountiful. I'd moved to California, came back for Christmas and his mom had invited a bunch of people to have like a little party get together. And so I'm there and I had no idea what was going on, but I just, I look back now and I was just overwhelmed mm. all the attention, like people there to see me. I couldn't handle it, could not handle it. So I went downstairs and crawled in that little cubby and put a blanket over me in the darkness, just wanting to disappear. And that's what this poem was kind of symbolizing. That's, I want, you know, there are times when it's just too much and I just want to disappear. I don't want to exist anymore, but what you said it's not being alone because I always come out of that state because that state, I never want to be there permanently. Right. You know, I never do. It's almost kind of like a reset. Mm. And, you know, we, the first time we, we, we did this podcast, you know, we, and one thing that you and I talked about before we even did the first one was, you know, there's people who, struggle and they want to be done. Yes. They don't want to be here anymore. Literally. They mm -hmm. want to, um, become, they crave nothingness literally. And that's heartbreaking to think that, cause I, you know, for whatever, all my troubles, whatever stuff I go through, I've never gotten to that point. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I don't know that I can really relate to wanting to permanently disappear. Yeah. You know, um, right. and so I, I wonder about that. I wonder what are ways that we can help people with that, or help people who are struggling that way. I have a daughter, my, my oldest daughter, Indai, she attempted suicide. I've talked to her about it. She's, she was okay with me mentioning this, but, um, in 2020, a pretty significant attempt. And as a parent, it's kind of interesting because you just kind of go into, um, protective mode no emotion like 
there wasn't really an emotion until I told my family about what happened. Mm -hmm. And then there was just a flood of emotion. But initially it was just like, okay, we got to take care of this, you know? But so anyway, I look at my daughter who is amazing, amazing. She, I look at her now and she is just, um, she never gives up ever, you know, and she, but she also doesn't pretend like things are okay. Mm. You know, she fights, but she also talks to me about her pain and the frustrations that she's having. And so we're able to talk through it. Um, so I just, I, I guess maybe, I, I don't know what your experience is with that in your life with people that, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. Um, well, part of it is that's why I picked this poem is because I've felt that way in the past. Mm. I've felt where I wanted to be nothing. Mostly it's been passive suicidality where, you know, I wouldn't mind if I got struck by a truck or something took me out. Mm-hmm. Maybe kind of wished for that at times, but um, that's mostly my experience with it. Um, and it never really... I thought of some good ways to go out. Maybe didn't quite actually form a plan though, but I was in a lot of pain. And so I figured, you know, at the time it was caused by those around me and mm-hmm. didn't come from within. And, um, through therapy, uh, I've realized that I have some struggles to work through. And I think when I was floating in the pool, the pain in my body was a manifestation of that in physical form. Mm. I, I, I wonder too, cause you know, as you mentioned, or as I've mentioned too, you know, I, I've never, I, I personally have not, I, I don't know that I've ever been actually suicidal, but I have wanted to just be gone. Mm-hmm. wish that I hadn't woken up. And I wonder though, if, if I just went along with my life and never addressed that, mm-hmm. never talked to people about that where would I progress to? I can imagine that that something like that can get worse, you know? And, yeah. Um, and so I try to be aware, like it, it's kind of hard cause you don't want to, you don't want to bring it up to somebody. It's, it's, but what are, I think what, actually it's better to ask someone hey, straight up, straight up. Are you feeling suicidal? Mm. Can we talk about it? Rather than um, try to say, hey, are you feeling okay? Or and dance around the subject. Just mm-hmm. talk about it. Straight up. Bring it up. Yep. Get it out in the open. And then I think you brought up a hotline or something. Yeah. You uh, can call. In that, there's a it's 988. It's a national hotline. And it actually, I think it was just this year that it was initiated. And that's pretty fast. So it's like 911, but it's 988. And you can call that anywhere. Uh, the, the problem comes when, if you're feeling that low, you're, are you going to call it? You're it, not thinking rationally right. and well, half your memories, all of your good memories are hidden from you at the time. And right. you only have access to the terrible things going on in your life right now. And my understanding is if you can make it seven minutes living through that, that's, you're going to have a good chance of, making it through without attempting. Mm. And I think calling that hotline people, I think you can just connect with people who care. Yeah. My experience, I, I think that's really, and, and you know, neither of us, neither of us is a therapist. Neither of us is an expert on suicide prevention or anything like that. So if anybody out there is struggling with this, um, you, you, it's important to talk to people, talk to people who love you. Yes. And because you know, when I feel depressed, when I, I, I go down these rabbit holes, these dark holes, you know, not, yes. not in a suicidal way, but I go down them and the only way out, so, sometimes I have to just let it burn off or I, mm-hmm. I don't, but I can call somebody, but sometimes I don't want to call somebody because I want to feel that, that I, I call it like a warm wet blanket. It's not, I mean, it's, I just don't want to get rid of that, but I really, I do want to get rid of that. Like when I'm healthy, I, 
I look back and I think, oh, I don't ever want to feel that anymore. But right. when I'm in it, it's hard to get out. And you know, I, I think about well, just to talk about that a little bit. I think it feeling that pain and anger sends chemicals through your body that give you energy um, that puts you in a different state of feeling. And like, in what sense? Like you don't want to reach out or no, it feels good. Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hormones start raging through your body. Rage is a high energy state. Mm-hmm. And, um, you can get addicted to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just, I, I, I wonder what, I guess for me, you know, I think about that John Donne poem, no man is an island entire of itself. You know, and, and mm-hmm. the point is, is that, you know, it, it, it has that famous ending, uh, you know, don't ask for whom the bell tolls, it tells, tolls for thee. You know, the bell tolls when somebody dies, you know, so who, who, who died? You know, the bull, mm-hmm. don't ask for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Meaning, you know, it talks in there about, you know, the, you know, we're like a continent. No man's an island. We're all connected. If part of um, the continent falls off, that falls off for everybody. And so I think we have a, a responsibility as family and friends and community to, to be aware of each other. And that takes effort. It takes effort and it takes um, awareness, sensitivity. I know that I've experienced that. I've shared the, the experience with my sister, Melissa. Mm. You know, she just showed up my office in the darkest time of my life. Just showed up because she knew... She knew that I had had an incident that may not have been good, and she she just showed up because she was being sensitive and aware to me. So I've and I just I want to be like that. To that's people. that's super special. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I love that John Dunn. No man is an island entire of itself. I wish I had, I probably should memorize it because I like it. So, um, well, Monty, I, I've loved this, doing this podcast with you, uh, this episode, I appreciate the thought and attention and just the thoughtfulness that you brought to it. So thank you. Thanks Scott. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And, uh, all of those listening, thank you so much. I appreciate, uh, taking your time to listen and, If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, feel free to like and subscribe and uh, maybe even leave a review. I would appreciate that. Thank you.